Greetings from Covenant Community of LJ, Georgia. We want to thank you for taking the time to listen to these messages God has provided to our fellowship from His Word. May He bless you richly as you seek Him. We'd like to invite you to be with us in person someday soon. And for information on that, visit us at covenantcommunitylj.com. And now, let's open up God's Word. Fasting by Jensen Franklin, student edition. That way, it's at about all of our level. And uh, it's really, really good and inspiring. And uh, we don't want to put you into some legalistic pattern. But as Ricky said, the Bible says not if you fast, when you fast. And it's not talking about how you drive your Camaro. It's talking about uh, purposely making a choice to not eat food or separate you, you uh, a complete fast is no food no water uh but be wise in doing that you could get all inspired to go out do that you know if you're on medication and stuff like that talk to your doctor as well all right and uh, i don't want to have to do a special service for you um uh, you know you'll be in heaven but i uh would rather you not hurt your health but Learning to fast is, is a skill, so don't start on a 40-day fast first time. You know, 40 hours is a good start, and then you learn how to fast. Uh, when you're fasting uh, for the first time, sometimes you have terrible headaches. That's because your body starts absorbing from your uh, fat, and uh, toxins get into your bloodstream, and you'll have bad headaches. Uh, sometimes uh, some people... Uh, don't get worried about this, but some people will throw up uh, because their body's not used to fasting. But you should really make fasting part of your regular life. Uh, it's good for your health. Uh, but if uh, in the time that you would normally be eating, you could then just take time to uh, pray, read the Word of God, and shut up. Listen. God may speak to you, right? Uh, uh, Jesus went 40 days and 40 nights. Moses went 40 days, 40 nights. Elijah went 40 days, 40 nights. Uh, most of us can't do that. But if you have a sincere heart before God to say, God, I want to humble myself. It's more important to me that I be in your presence than that I eat. Samuel, when he called Israel to, 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 to prayer in, in Samuel there, it says that they fasted, they prayed, they repented, and then they poured out water before the Lord. Now, I think that that means that they said, God, we have to have this water to survive. But we would rather pour out the water that we've got and experience you than do without you. Now, if we can get one person like that in this church, something wonderful will happen. If we could get a whole family like that in this church, oh, You'd start hearing testimonies. If we can get a whole church like that in this community, uh, this little light of mine, it's surely going to shine. And that's not to elevate our church. It's to elevate Jesus. It's not to elevate our name. It's to magnify his name. And fasting and prayer are important in our lives, in our walk with God. So I just want to encourage you. There's lots of good lessons, lots of good testimonies in here. Get one. The reason I have the card is I want you to put your name uh, phone number and email address and give it to me because I'll be expecting to hear from you about what God does in your life. And if you have questions, then I want you to feel free to ask and we'll uh, be glad to uh, 
share with you in, in any way that we can. Then I also put a book out this, this week, My Heart, Christ's Home. My mother gave me this when I was a teenager, and this has been a major impact in my life. And so I would like you to take that and read that and share it with somebody else. It's about when Jesus comes to live in your life, and he says that he wants to have the key to all the rooms, and then what you have to say about it. Okay, uh, Joshua. We're in the book of Joshua. So we're in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, that's at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. And um, we've already been enjoying seeing some of what God wanted to do. This is the land that he had promised 430 years before to uh, Abraham. God keeps his promises. You say, yeah, but man, that's 430 years. I'm not going to live that long for God to keep his promises. But the promises he made to you, he will keep to you in this life and into eternity. And you can experience God. And you can miss out on what God has for you. Uh, right now, we, we talked the last time about how they crossed the River Jordan. How they set up stones as memorials. Uh, we talked about Rahab, the prostitute, Rahab the harlot that lived in Jericho. And she thought, well, I wish I had a God like that. Man, I've heard the stories about him. These guys coming through here have been telling me the stories about that God who makes a way through the Red Sea, delivers them out of Egypt with ten mighty plagues. He covers them with a cloud during the day when it's so hot. He sends manna down every day to feed them. He takes them through the wilderness, has a pillar of fire at night to give them light, keep them warm, guides them. Oh, I wish I had a God like that. I've just got this sorry God here. He can't do anything. And now that God's bringing those people in here. I wish I knew that God. And guess what? God said, you do? Oh, good. Sent the two spies to her. She and her whole extended family were delivered. If you have a heart that says, God, I'm not any good at this. I keep floundering around messing up, but I do want to know you. I do want to experience you. You just work in my life. Just work on me. I'm willing to come to you. You know, Rahab had to give up her city, had to give up everything and come into the people of God. But she got the living God who has eyes that see, hands that work, a heart that feels. And she was actually put by Jehovah God into the line of Christ. Now in Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about the, the list of the heroes of faith, guess what? She makes it into the hall of fame. By faith, Rahab the harlot. Now, why does God put that in there? It looks like he'd just leave that little harlot bit off the end. God loves people to know what he's done for you. How many here, God's really done some cool stuff for you? You know, we need to get used to talking about that to people around us. It's great that what you got for Christmas, I'm glad. But talk to people about what Jesus has done for you. Talk to, G to, to people about uh, what is going on. Talk to people when you're halfway through a testimony, when you don't know what he's going to do. Tell them, I'm trusting him now. We were doing that in Sunday school. Can't wait to see what he's going to do with us as we... Uh, Take over this property. Can't wait to see what he's going to do. And we pray that he'll do mighty things through us. So here in Joshua chapter uh, 5. Um, it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west. And the, the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard. I've got that underlined. When God starts working in your life, people are going to hear about it. You know, ju just like Jamie was saying, his brother cares 
that his brother is in turmoil over his baby. And so he's paying attention. He's talking to him, but he's hearing what God can do. When they heard what God had done, how he had dried up the waters of the Jordan, which was in full flood before the sons of Israel until they crossed, that their hearts melted and there was no spirit uh, in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. Let me tell you something. When God begins to work through your life, evil and wicked people may fight you and resist you, but the evil spirits are terrified. At the name of Jesus, they are terrified. You need to quit thinking that the devil is equal to God. He is not equal to God. He is a created fallen angel. Defeated by Jesus. Jesus went down to hell and rose again from the dead and stripped from himself, Colossians says, those spirits stripped from himself and came out of hell bearing the keys of death and hell. And he has all authority in heaven, all authority on earth. And when you speak the name of Jesus into the situation that you're in, it's not a little magic talisman, but it is. You are an ambassador for Jesus where you go. So you need to find out from Jesus what he wants to do in your situation and then go tell the, the, the rulers there. The Ephesians 6 says there's rulers, principalities, and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. But they are invaders they are rebels against the authority of god this is my father's world that's a good place for an amen even from you yeah yes this is god's world it's not the devil's world yes he has some room to move around here yes he has but we have the authority we are the sons of god we are freed from slavery to satan we are the children of god purchased by the blood of the lamb he can't give us other orders anymore you don't have to listen to him is that good Yes. So we can go out into this new year with expectant hearts. And for here in this chapter, we're going to find out five things, five things that they needed to do to experience, begin to experience the fullness of what God had for them. So they, their hearts melted. Listen, uh, you have authority in situations. Now, we don't always know what God wants to do, but we can pray. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Rich or poor, smart or dumb. You can pray to God and talk to God in the name of Jesus and say, I don't know what you want to do here and I, I don't really know what I need done, but I'm praying for you. Uh, those of you that are on the prayer chain know that my, my dearest friend all through grade school and high school, uh, John Enright, I went to see him uh, last month, uh, November 16th, I think it was, up in Indiana. He was in the States and, and uh, we had just been close friends all through grade school and high school. It was really nice. He rescued me one time when one of the bigger boys had me in a headlock and dragged me around Alan Beggs. Uh, and, and John said, let go of him. He said, why? None of your business. I'm not bothering you. He said, he's my friend. So he walked over there. So Alan Beggs let go of me. And from then on in life, we walked together. And nobody would mess with both of us together. And so that was really nice. All through school, we didn't have any more trouble uh, like that. And even in high school, he came and boarded with us. And it was amazing providence of God. And he has served in Africa and has uh, tremendous stories. I'd love to tell you separately if you want to hear uh, some testimonies of what God has done. I'll tell you those later. But I, I got something I want to cover here today. But... Uh, the day after Christmas, he and his wife were going down the road. He'd gone back to Zambia, and he and I talked about getting together next year, and I was going to go see his honey project. He harvested 150 tons of honey last year. 150 tons. That's a bunch of honey. 
and it's 80,000 hives across the country of Zambia. The president of Zambia came to visit him and said, this is amazing. I want to pour several million dollars into this and I want you to help this whole country. That's God. The day after Christmas, Johnny and his wife were going down the road. A big truck hit him head on, killed him instantly. So he spent Christmas with his uh, family here and then he got to meet the king the next day. And he's eating at the big table now. Now, somebody said, well, I'm praying for his wife uh, to live. I tell you what, I wasn't praying that. I was praying, God, I can't imagine her waking up without him. <laughs> uh, you know, it'd be fine with me if you just took her on too. She'd rather wake up there than here. But in God's grace, she's already left the hospital. She's back home with her two sons and their grandkids. And this is a devastating uh, loss in their lives. But I tell you, God's worked in power through them. He spared her from cancer. Years ago, she had a double mastectomy, had cancer. God delivered her from that. They've served all these years together just like this. A husband and wife functioning together like they should. Loving God, loving each other, serving and seeing amazing provision of God. Well, I, I you know, I really wanted to go see him, but I thanked God as soon as I heard, thank you, God. I got to spend those two days with him. Thank you, God. I got to hear those answers to prayer. Uh, we don't know what all God is planning. But I tell you what, when God is wor at work in your life, the enemy's going to hear uh, the testimony. Verse 2, and at that time the Lord said to Joshua, now listen, God gave him the promised land. They've come across the river on dry ground. All of the army is in front. Wouldn't this be a good time to attack? I mean... Well, you know, Rahab told him, said, everybody in Jericho is terrified. Their hearts have melted. Everybody's, wouldn't this be a good time to attack? I mean, just charge. Let's go get a man. God brought us across the river. It must be time to attack. God always has different plans. God says, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. So smart people should do what before they take action? Go talk to God. Find out what his plan is. You go charging off into the wild future without him, guess what? It's like a glove trying to get something done without the hand in it. It's not going to go far. You just let go of the glove and drop to the ground. But with God's hand in it, no telling what will happen. So uh, God says, nope, 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 nope. We're not conquering the whole land, not taking over all these cities, not whooping the giants, not doing all this stuff yet. We got some stuff that we need to take care of. And he said, there's five things that we're going to need to get done. So he said, make yourselves, verse 3, flint stones, flint knives, and circumcise the sons of Israel at Gibeah Harloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war died in the wilderness along the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out were circumcised but all the people who were born in the wilderness along the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised God came to Abraham and gave him that sign of circumcision uh, a sign of being uh, in covenant with God it's a special relationship with God now when God told the children of Israel go into the promised land they said no there's big giants the spies told us about giants and all these problems there and we can't do it God says I do not believe you this is the 10th time you all have messed with me I keep telling you to do stuff you never will trust me forget you 
They said, we wish we died in the wilderness rather than being here. You're going to get all our kids killed. And God says, I'm the one who gave you the kids. Why would I want to get them killed? You know, tell you what. You said you wish to die in the wilderness. You got it. Be careful what you pray. Especially when you're whining. All right? Be careful what you pray. He said, okay, go into the wilderness. And you will die there. I will be personally attending to you dying over the next 40 years. For 40 years, they wandered around there. Now listen, if God gives you a spanking, what is a good response to a spanking from God? Repent. Repent. Say, God, I'm sorry. I'm glad you let me live. And thank you. I needed that spanking. That's a good way to do. These people didn't do this. For the next 40 years, they refused to circumcise their boys as they were born. 40 years. Every day, God still sent manna to them. Every day, God still guided them with the pillar of fire and the cloud. God sends his rain on the just and the unjust. Because Just because you're alive and doing good doesn't mean God's happy with you. The goodness of God is supposed to lead you to repentance. repentance. Everybody say repentance. 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 Repentance is when you turn 180 degrees and start going the opposite direction from the way you're going. You start going the way God wants you to go instead of that other way. Uh, so for 40 years, they said, no, not doing that. He didn't let us have promised land. We don't like him. They were rebellious. They were complaining in Egypt about how things were. But when God brought them out, they kept refusing to trust him. You know, there's people sitting in church like that. There's people out in our community like that. That are busy thinking that God was made for them and that, that God is there to make them happy. Remember the little saying. The top of the t-shirt reads what? First priority. First priority, it says up here. Then a smiley face. This is the t-shirt in my head. And then underneath it, it says what? Is God happy? That's what we need to be concerned about. That's what this sermon's about today. That we come to the place where God being happy with my life is more important than anything else to me. With my wife, with my children, with my career, with my health, with everything. Is God happy? That's what I want. In a little while, we'll take communion. Communion. Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood. In other words, this is so serious to me, I'm giving my life for you. You can't be right with God unless you have put your faith in me and I have taken your sins and cleansed you from them. This is my blood, lifeblood poured out for you to enter into covenant with you. That's how serious I am. This is my body given for you in terrible pain. I'm experiencing a separation from God that you would have to have for eternity. I'm going to have for you because I love you. Today, as you take communion, if you are refusing to do what God wants you to do and you don't want his will in your life, please don't take communion because you're telling a lie before God, with the blood of Jesus himself, don't do that. Now, if you say, oh, well, man, I, I'm, I'm not as good as I want to be. I'm sure not as good as he wants me to be. Come with a humble heart. Come and say, like the song just said, Lord, I need you. 
I need you every hour I need you. You're my one defense. You're my righteousness. Oh God, I need you. I want you to keep working in my life, cleansing me. Come in there, clean out the closets, clean out the attic, take out the trash, do what you need to do in my life. I want to be more and more like Jesus. Is that the prayer of your heart and life? I hope so, because that's the prayer of God. That's what God wants in your life. So as you take communion, that's what you're saying. You take the, the bread and you remember, Jesus gave his body for me. And I'm willing to give my body to please God in whatever he wants. Jesus poured out his lifeblood for me. And it's more important that God is happy with my life than that I live a long life. I just want God to be happy with me today. Oh God, how I need you. And you humble yourself that way. Verse um, 5. For all the people who are six. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until that, all that nation... That is, the men of war who came out of Egypt perished because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord. Has God been speaking to you? Are you paying attention? To whom the Lord had sworn that he would not let them see the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. God has good intentions for you. I hope that you are in the condition where you can receive them uh, that you're humble before him, doing the right thing, walking in kindness, and humbling yourself day by day in your walk with God. Verse 7, And their children whom he raised up in their place, Joshua circumcised, for they were all uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them along the way. Now it came about when they had finished circumcising all the nation, they remained in their places in the camp until they were healed. He had just immobilized his whole army. Uh, he did that because that's what God showed him to do. That's not a smart move. But it is a smart move when that's what God tells you to do. God says, you can't go in and have victory until you have consecrated yourselves uh, to me. Before victory comes consecration. Say that with me. Before victory comes consecration. Have you... I started to do this today and decided not to, but one of these days I may do it. I, I have done this. Uh, I did this another time at a service. I had a quit claim deed which says, I quit claim all my rights to myself and my decisions and my life uh, to Jesus Christ. He can fill in all the conditions of what he wants to do, and I'm going to sign at the bottom of the page before he fills in the conditions. Do you trust God that much? Do you trust God that much? Are you willing to do that? He's worthy. If he sent his son to die for you, how shall he not with him freely give you all things? That's what this service and next week is about. Are you willing to quit claim your life to God and, and surrender your life completely to him? So the first thing they did is they were circumcised. Then, verse 9, the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the name of that place is called Gilgal, uh, and, and which can be um, rolling, um, it can be round, uh, but Gilgal is a very important city uh, or place in the history of Israel. So they called it Gilgal, Gilgal, and then verse 10, the first thing they did is they were circumcised. Second thing, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month 
on the desert plains of Jericho. And on the day after the Passover, on the very day they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. So the third thing they did is they ate unleavened, uh, didn't have the yeast in it, and parched grain before God. Verse 12, and the manna ceased. For 40 years, God has been giving them the manna, 40 years plus, as they came out of Egypt, providing for them every day. And now, he says, you're going to take another step. You begin farming yourselves, providing for yourselves, and the manna ceased on the day after they'd eaten some of the produce of the land, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. It was not, the manna wasn't falling by accident, it's an afterthought. God carefully provided for them up to a certain place. Then he said, now, I'm not doing that anymore. Your life will not be the same all of your life. Sometimes he has you in a church where you're being fed and strengthened and everything's going good. And then sometimes he leads you someplace else. Uh, if God leads you away from this fellowship into another fellowship, praise God. I just have a friend in another fellowship. You're welcome to go and call back and ask for prayer, ask for help, ask for, it's fine. Where, where God wants you is where I want you. And that's where you need to be because that's what's best for you and for me. So the manna stopped. And now verse 13. Uh, it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Here's a man with a sword in his hand. Uh, Joshua said, Whose side are you on? And he said, uh, I'm not on anybody's side. Verse 14, he said, No, rather, I indeed have come as captain of the host of the Lord. Joshua suddenly realized by revelation that this was probably Christ himself, uh, an appearance of a Christophany. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place you're standing on is holy. And Joshua did so. Uh, so that was an appearance of God because men do not bow down to worship angels. The angels would always tell us not to do that. So there's five things that you're going to pick up here today as we come. Then we're going to take communion together. And our communion today is a renewal of our surrender to God to be all that he wants us to be and for him to use us in the way that he wants to use us in the next year. Uh, the first thing that they had to do was cross the Jordan River, which is a picture of crossing, listen, from the old life to the new life. Uh, some people think, well, I just need to get saved so that I go to heaven and dodge hell. No, 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 no. If there wasn't a heaven, wasn't a hell, you need to get saved. You need to give your life to God through faith in Jesus Christ because God created you to be his servant, to walk with him and to experience life as his servant, serving him in this world. And that is what you were created for. It's like a pair of gloves. They weren't created to hang on the wall and look pretty. They were created to be worn and used. And you were created to have God's hand in you, working through you in high places, low places, in all kinds of places. He wants you to be surrendered to him. So the first thing they had to do was go across the river. They were going into the promised land. Going from, you know, when you first become a Christian, uh, you're a baby. Even if you're 90, you're still a baby. You're juvenile. You're self-centered. You know, what's baby's two big priorities or three big priorities, mamas? 
What do they want? Feed me when I want it. What? Change me. Get rid of my poo. I don't like this. Feed me, change me, and pet me. What? Is that what you said? So babies want to be fed. They want to be changed. They want to be petted. They want to be the center of the world to all the adults around them, right? And that's okay. They're babies. But we hope that they grow out of that, right? And we have to help them to grow out of that. God has to help you grow out of thinking that you were saved just for you. Yes, it's, uh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to praise God, run up and down the aisles, and be so happy that your sins are forgiven. So happy that God's got a plan for your life. So happy that you've got some direction in life. You need to cross the river. God says, cross the river. They said, cross the river. It's in full flood. It'll be hard to do when it's not in flood, but we can't do that. God says, I've got a plan. The, the Jordan River in full flood was an obstacle to their life. And what does God do with obstacles that are in his way? Have you got any rivers that you think are uncrossable? It's a little song we used to sing. Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. He can do what no other friend can do. Have you got any rivers that you think are uncrossable? Is there somebody in your way, something in your way, some impediment? You say, well, I can't do this. and I can't. No, I can't, never could. You've got to have that I can attitude with God. Amen? Man, y'all are slow today about that. Amen. You need to get a bit louder on that. Okay, so the first thing they need to do is cross the river, and they crossed over. God wants you to come from baby to mature. He wants you to be a reproducer. He wants you to be bringing other people to Christ-likeness. So the first thing is, you've got to cross the river. Everybody say, cross the river. Cross the river. Then he said, you must be circumcised. He says, we can't go any further. And Joshua said, what? Everybody, all the guys, eight days old to whatever old they were, have to be circumcised? But that means my whole army will be paralyzed for days. What, what if they, no, that's not what Joshua said. He said, yes, sir, we are yours. You took us across the river. You can take care of us. And so they were uh, making spiritual preparations for what God was going to, to do. Now, if you're going to uh, have a war, you've got to have ammunition stockpiled. You, got, you can't have three arrows to start a war. You can't have 10 bullets. You've got to stockpile your weapons and you've got to have, have them prepared. Food and water have to be stored. Plans for backup supplies, provisions, equipment, ammunition have to be made. Soldiers have to be trained and mentally prepared. Strategy has to be planned. Spies and reconnaissance missions have to be done. You've got to have transportation ready. Camels and tanks and all of that depending where you're doing battle. There's got to be spiritual preparation. Consecration must precede spiritual conquest. So today, are you consecrated? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? Nudge the person next to you and say, is Jesus the Lord of your life? So first of all, they've got to cross the Jordan River, which is a picture from coming from the old life to the new life, from juvenile to mature. Secondly, they've got to be circumcised, which symbolizes cutting away of the self-life, of the self-centered life, uh, the flesh, 
and being identified as followers of God. It was a covenant sign. And then thirdly, they must remember the Passover, a symbol of God's power to deliver his people through the shed blood of the lamb. Fourthly, they have to celebrate the feast of unleavened bread. And where, where they left Egypt and didn't even have time to leaven their bread. And fifthly, must submit to the true commander of God's people, to the Lord himself. So the first thing here was they had to cross the river. Uh, God had wonderful plans for them. There was a, they'd come from a life of enslavement, oppression, persecution, and suffering. How many of you remember how it was before B.C., before Christ? Some of us have been saved since we were kids. And we don't have a lot of regrets. We don't have a lot of misery in our past. And I thank God for that. That's the best testimony. Not to have to have gotten free from a lot of that. But, uh, you know, uh, God brought them out of Egypt. A place of slavery, of bondage, of misery. Uh, a place of meaningless life, it seemed. Just serving Pharaoh. And it's a picture of when we were uh, serving the devil. Uh, they, it was a life of complaining and grumbling and murmuring and unbelief. It was a, a life of sadness for the people, just living year after year as slaves. It was a life of distrust and unbelief, of craving and lusting for more. Uh, it was a life out in the wilderness as they walked with God. They were negative and defeated, fearful, unbelieving, rejected and turning away from God. They were rebels, rebelling against God. And seeking to approach God through unauthorized approaches. And you can find where God had to deal with that. It was a life of worldliness. Even while they were in the wilderness, they were worshiping false idols. Yet when they came to the edge of the promised land, uh, there with Balaam, here they went to having a tremendous sexual orgy there. And God had to kill several thousand uh, of them. They were engaging in false worship. Uh, but now, as they crossed the river to the other side of Jordan, it was leaving a life of worldliness and immorality and lawlessness and coming in to a life uh, where, that God had planned for them. Listen, Gilmer County has probably 20,000 people that aren't going to church anywhere. You know, when we first uh, talked about starting this church, which, by the way, was seven years ago, seven years this month, we began church here, 35 of us in that corner on our best day. And thank God for where we are. Thank God for what he's done. If today was the last day we ever met together, I would thank God for this experience that we've had here and how he's worked among us. And we've had some wonderful uh, times together. But uh, God uh, has plans that we don't know about and we pray to go on with him. In your Christian life, God has big plans, but they're interactive with you. You can live a life which is useless. You can live a life which is unfruitful for God. Or you can live a life that's fruitful and useful, filled with the Holy Spirit, living in victory. God wanted these people to have a conquest and victory over their enemies that confronted them. He wanted them to have peace and rest physically and spiritually. He wanted them to have security and protection throughout all their life. And a daily care and provision given by God. Abundance and fruitfulness of the land and the economy. Inner fulfillment and satisfaction. God had a deep-seated sense of purpose for them. Meaning and significance. They were going to have cities. They were going to have olive groves. They were going to have vineyards that they didn't even plant. God wanted them to have joy and rejoicing in all of God's blessing. And God's presence and guidance day by day. And being rooted and grounded in God's holy word and prayer. He wanted them to have a testimony. Uh, if, if I started... Uh, some of the people here telling you what God has done in their life. We would be here 
for days, hearing what God has done, hearing how God has worked. I thank God for a mother and father who are willing to go to Africa as missionaries. Other people said, how can you go there and take your little baby there? How can you have, you know, my brother and my two sisters were born there. How can you take them way out in the boonies there, expose them to all those tropical diseases, do all those things? And they said, well, that's where God has led us. Some people told them, you must not love your kids to take them over there. My dad said, if we didn't have love in our heart, why would we go to people we don't know, a race we don't know, learn customs we don't know, a language we don't know? Why would we spend all that time? They said, it's because God has called us to that place. And I thank God that I've gotten to see tremendous answers to prayer. I've got to see the power of God move. My mama's gone to heaven uh, a couple of years ago when she was 94. My daddy's still there, 90 years old. And God has not ever forsaken us. God has always provided for us. Our whole family and extended family, God is good. God has good plans in your life. Doesn't mean it will always be easy, but you can trust Him. Say that with me. Say it a bit louder. You can trust Him. Some of you college-age young people, you're just getting ready to start into life. Some of you newly married young people, you're just starting. You've got... Uh, your, your babies, you've got your plans, you've got goodness knows what's going to be in the future. That's not what you're in charge of. Are you willing to trust God? Walk with Him day by day. I've been on the trail a while. God is faithful. Yes, I've cried. Yes, I've been frustrated. Yes, I've been terrified. Yes, there, there's been problems, but I thank God that He has always uh, guided me and led me. Sometimes saved me from terrible, foolish mistakes. Oh, thank God for His mercy. Uh, you can trust him. God had wonderful plans for these people, but he wanted them to do some things first. The Israelites had to cross over. They had to make a choice. It says in, in Romans 6, 6, knowing this, our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Henceforth, we don't serve sin. God wants you to move from serving sin to serving him. It says in Ephesians 2, 2, in the times past, you used to walk in the way of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan. The spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. All around us are people who are listening to the devil's voice in their life. Being guided by a spirit they don't even know. Walking and, and you try to talk to them about the Lord. They don't want to hear it. Because they're still in darkness. They're still in rebellion against God. But God has good plans for them. So it says in Ephesians 4.22. Put off concerning your former way of life. Put off the old man. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful. Deceiving strong desires of sin, the deceitful lusts. He says, lie not to one another, seeing you've put off the old man with his deeds. For many walk, he says in, in Philippians 3.18, of whom I've told you often and now tell you weeping. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. It says in, in 1 Peter 4.3, for the time past of our life may suffer to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, in sensual desires, in lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and wild partying, and abominable idolatries. He said, you were lewd, you were lustful, you were indecent. But now, he says, you have changed. As we go into the promised land, as we go into living under God's promises, that is a different way to live. So the first thing they needed to do was cross the Jordan. The second thing they needed to do was be circumcised. Now you say, well, that was them. That was way back then. Uh, what about us? Uh, the Bible says in, in Colossians 2, verse 11 and 12, in whom you, 
Christians were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through faith in the operation of God who raised him from the dead. He says in Romans 2.28, He is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward of the flesh. He is a Jew, listen, who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. In Deuteronomy 10.16, God told them even in the Old Testament, circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be no more stiff-necked. Don't be votive, rebellious against God. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your children to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and that you may live. See, there's lots of people loving this world, living for this world. God says, I want you to love me and live for me. You still with me? Too warm in here, isn't it? Uh, or maybe some of you are praying. Okay. Uh, so the first thing they had to do is cross the river. They needed to be uh, circumcised. And then right after that, they took the, they celebrated the Passover. The day that they came there was the exact day Passover was supposed to be celebrated. They'd only had two Passovers. The first one when they left Egypt, the second one at Mount Sinai. Now they celebrate the Passover, and from then on it was supposed to be annually. Passover, what is Passover about? That is when the angel passed over them and did not kill the firstborn of every family that had what? Blood on the doorpost, blood of the lamb. On both sides and up above there was the blood of a lamb poured out and then they ate the lamb and they left Egypt with unleavened bread and the Bible says Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us we're getting ready to take communion here and Christ is the lamb that was given for us his blood is what causes uh, Satan to have to relinquish us and when we put our faith in Jesus Christ our sins are forgiven they're washed away we receive the spirit of God in our heart makes our spirit alive and we receive the power to live uh, for him and to uh, begin to walk with him they then uh, ate the unleavened bread which means that they left hastily from where they were listen today listen today uh, has God been speaking to your heart Uh, I don't know how many of you have done this, but I've had times when God spoke into my heart. I knew he was talking, but he didn't talk real loud. And I went ahead and did what I wanted to do. How many of you have kids that pretend they don't hear you sometimes? Well, don't raise your hand. It might make them feel bad. Uh, yeah, sometimes kids pretend they didn't hear you. Uh, one time uh, I, I was talking with a couple. We were talking and she told her sons, they were both teenagers, boys, quit that. They just acted like they didn't even hear her. Oh, don't worry about that, sis. Uh, uh, I was just looking at the time. I didn't even talk to you. She's all the way from Australia. Uh, anyway, the, the mother was talking to uh, her, her two boys, but they just kept not listening, and she didn't want to just stop. So I told her, I said, I whispered to her, I said, say something about their allowance. I said, just look at me and say, so she said, yeah, I think I'm going to cut their allowance off. They said, what? What? They heard her the whole time. They were listening. When it got where it was important to them, they listened. Listen, God speaks to our hearts. God speaks to you. God wants you to go further. He wants you to cross over from the juvenile, selfish life to 
grow in Christ. Uh, I, I've encouraged you to read 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 11, where he says, you give diligence to add to your faith virtue, add to your virtue knowledge, add to your knowledge self-control, add to your self-control perseverance, add to your perseverance godliness, add to your godliness brotherly kindness, add to your brotherly kindness love. God has a process in the Christian life of growing to become Christ-like. God is love. That's where he wants to get you to, but he's got to take some steps in your life, and you have to be interactive and cooperative with him. As they came into the promised land, God wanted them to experience the, the fullness there. And the last thing in the chapter there, and we'll talk about this a bit more next week, was Joshua. Joshua was facing. They've come across the river. God has honored him greatly. But as they've come across the river, uh, he knows that the first big city, a big, strong city with big walls, Lots of food, lots of water. There's no way he can take over that city. They don't have battering rams. They don't have catapults. They don't have camels that can jump over walls. How is he going to do that? So he's walking along there, praying. God, what are we going to do? You've told us we've got to conquer this city. We can't go off and leave the women and kids here and go off fighting up in the mountains with uh, that city there. That city has to be conquered. God sent the Lord Jesus with a drawn sword. Joshua says, you for me or against me? He says, neither one. I've come to take charge. And he knew it was the presence of God. If God came to you right now and told you what he wanted, would you obey? What he told Joshua was observe. I want you to march around the city with all the people and I want them doing praise trumpets, playing in the front. Oh, praise God, glory to Jehovah. Bah, bah, bah. Go around one time each day. Then the seventh day, go around seven times. Give a loud shout, and the walls will fall down. Joshua didn't say, oh, come on, God. Everybody will laugh at us. They'll be up there making fun of us. How many of you have seen the VeggieTales, Joshua? Yeah, they're up there throwing down slushies on them and doing all kinds of th things to the, the disrespectful to them. Said, you know, you can't win, but guess what? God's plan works today uh, as we take communion. Uh, God wants to know, are you willing to leave being a baby and grow up? God wants to know, come on up guys if you like. God wants to know, are you willing to let him do surgery? It's going to be personal surgery on you. What does he need to cut off in your life? It's going to be private. It's going to be painful. It's going to be permanent. Circumcision was not something, circumcision was a profound, serious thing. Personal, private, painful, permanent. But it was the sign of covenant relationship with God. You know, when you date somebody, that's nice. When you get engaged, it gets serious, right? And then when you get married, it is supposed to be an unending thing. It's an outward sign of an inward reality. Uh, as we take communion today, if you are willing to surrender yourself to God through faith in Jesus Christ, if you're thanking him for the blood of Jesus poured out for you, his body given to you, and you say, I enter into covenant with you. I am going to follow Jesus.
no turning back. The cross, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. You don't have to be rich or poor, smart or dumb, male or female. God will take anybody. He is calling to you and to me. He's calling to our church. There's some stuff you need to let go of. There's some stuff you need to lay hold on. Will you cross over by the power of God? Will you let him cut off, remove from your life what needs to be removed? Will you take the Passover? Remember that Jesus died for you, rose again for you. He is worthy that you follow after him. Will you eat the unleavened bread? Leaven is a symbol of sin. Are you willing to let God deal with sin in your life? You know, too many of us call sin pretty names in our life. We call it bad names in somebody else's life, but in our life, we call it pretty names. Well, if he wasn't so mean to me, I wouldn't be like this. Oh, if she hadn't done that, I wouldn't have done this. No, and we excuse sin in our life. Are you willing to let God turn on the x-ray and point it out and deal with it? If God shows you sin in your life, will you deal with it? And then, will you be like Joshua, praying about your life, praying about the things that you face and trusting him to make you and show you the way to deal with it. Before you can go on to victory, these are the things that we need to do. We have to have that surrender to the will of God. We have to have that submission to him. We have to let him remove the things that are hindrances. We have to let him add the things that are going to be enhancements so that we can please him. Lord God, we come before you. You know all of our hearts. We thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending the Lord Jesus to die for us, that he's risen from the dead. And through faith in him, our sins have been forgiven. Your Holy Spirit has entered our life. And you are willing to do that ongoing process of purifying us, removing sin and self and selfishness from our life and bringing us more and more into humility before you. Not a begrudging humility, not a whining, but Lord rejoicing in you. And we can eat that unleavened bread as you take away sin from our life where we uh, excuse ourselves. Help us, Lord, to confess our sins, repent of our sins, and by the power of your Holy Spirit have victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. As we take communion today, Lord Jesus, thank you that it was real blood that you poured out. It was your real body that suffered terrible pain. It was your spirit that was in anguish, being attacked uh, with unrestrained power by the evil one, by Satan himself, coming after you. That you took all our sins, you took all of our guilt, you took the great malignant evil that had taken over us and you dealt with it all. You went to hell. You suffered for us. You are risen from the dead victorious and have the keys of death and hell in your hand. And you say when we put our faith in you, when we are in you, our sins are forgiven. The power of your Holy Spirit is there to make us more and more like you, to renew our minds and guide us in our life, in our walk with you. Today, as we take communion, we renew our covenant with you. 
as we take the bread, take the juice there, the symbol of your blood and your body given for us. Lord, I pray that we would do this with utmost reverence and gratefulness and thankfulness as we dedicate ourselves to you. We will have no other God. We will worship no other thing. We will follow after you wherever it is that you lead us as individuals, as families, and as a church. And I pray that we can do this honestly before you. Lord, without fear, because we know that you love us more than we love ourselves. And you have nothing but good plans for us in our lives. And anything that you take away from us, you want to give us something better. We can trust you. We want to live a life of faith. We want to be mature, walking in the self-sacrificing love that you've created us to walk in. Help us then, Lord, to, to add to our faith, our absolute trust in you, character, and to character, knowledge, experiencing and knowing you, and then to knowledge that godliness and perseverance and brotherly kindness of loving the people around us and then uh, love. Loving you not because we get something from you and loving others not because we get something from them, but loving because your spirit, the fruit of your spirit in us is love and joy and peace flowing out through us. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. I encourage you guys, uh, the guys uh, were the ones who were circumcised, the men and the babies from eight days old and up. Uh, God had them circumcised. He has created us men to have a special place of servant leadership in this world. As, as you go with your family to take communion, serve one another. Uh, uh, s serve each other. If you don't have any family here, uh, go, go with somebody else and have communion together. Go minister to somebody else. Love one another. So we've got the guys at the back. They're there with the bread and the juice. And uh, take that. Pray wherever you would like to, and then we'll close in just a minute, and you can be listening to the music and encountering the presence of the Lord. Thank you. We want to thank you one more time for taking the time to listen to these messages that God's provided our fellowship. We believe He's doing something special among us and would love for you to be a part of it. We hope that you'll take the time to come and visit us in person someday soon. And we invite you to visit our website, covenantcommunitylj.com. There you'll find information on how to contact us if you have a prayer request or if there's a specific way we can minister to you and your family. Until then, God bless you.